and welcome to the Arrow of Idea podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a Tremors stan, which is why I chose to do Tremors 2 this time. Dan, I know you're not especially keen on this one. This is one that you wanted to swap out for something else, but I insisted. Why did I insist? Well, this is a 4K release of a straight-to-video sequel that had its budget cut from 17 million to 4 million, so I can see why some people, including you, Dan, will see this Arrow release as a bit of a barrel scrape, but it's Tremors. It can't not be awesome, can it? There's much to be said about Tremors 2. But all of the complimentary bits are about the practical effects. Yes, and those are relatively and, limited. Yeah, the, well, I, I must say, I do think as, as poorly as they have suffered, both from the passing of time and the 4K upscale, the emergent VFX mm-hmm. helmed by the once practical overlord Phil Tippett are interesting, if not good. <laughs> and I, I've, recently, I've recently been watching a bunch of stuff just totally by chance with like early cgi in it just by oh, chance yeah. and i feel like maybe my brain has been affected by something because i'm starting to find shit cgi slightly charming. oh yeah no absolutely it has to be i'm looking at it on the distant slopes on the other side of the uncanny yeah. valley it can't do well i watched last starfighter for the first time oh, wow. i've never seen it mm-hmm. before jen jen was have you never seen it so we watched hmm. that and um, and I thought one of the things they did really well was marry the aesthetic of the video game to the aesthetic of their shit-ass visual effects. Mm. So it felt logical that it would look mm-hmm. like that. So that made sense. And then Jen and I have also been watching Enterprise, the Scott Bakula. Oh, yeah. Star yeah, Trek yeah. TV series, which was uh, Star Trek's attempt to appeal to Middle America, and it turns out me because I really I like love it. Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to like Star Trek more than I actually do, and it wasn't until and I'd seen a couple of episodes of this when it first played, and I quite enjoyed them, but not enough to seek it out when you know when it was playing live and you couldn't just put it on whenever you wanted. But like watching it now and really enjoying it, I, I realised that my problem is that I like my sci- sci-fi like comedy or. Heart. Right, and I don't really want anything in the middle. And normal Star Trek kind of exists in this place where it's like it's got some very worthy like ideology, and I, I think that's why I want to vibe with it. But like, I don't want to watch holodeck bullshit. Like, if you're gonna do a, a show that's like, if you want to do a noir or a western or a Roman thing, don't make it be a bloody silver-faced robot and a bald man from space like having a holiday do do sci-fi or do the roman show or the gladiator show it's all a bit camp and it kind of sits in the middle for me it's it's galaxy quest or it's alien mm-hmm. I, I like it i like it dead serious and and quite worthy uh not even worthy but just like taking itself really seriously earnest mm. or i want it to deli- like just play just for laughs and good laughs as well yeah well i um, I, I bloody love star trek pretty much all of it including some of the, yeah. the modern iterations as does jen and i've watched and, and i've seen some effects stuff from from the new ones mm. and they look great yeah. like there's some beautiful stuff going out there so i'll probably dip into some of that but there's so much so many films i still haven't seen you know it's really it's hard to find time for this stuff but but i've been watching um welcome to tremor too <laughs> watching scott Bakula do his thing with his hot vulcan and his his cool doctor who i really like 
there's some terrible VFX in there, obviously. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. In the first season, there's a like a, a virus that makes them like regress, like devolve, and they're having like hallucinations about what the planet used to be like. And some of those like people walking on the surface of that planet are just beautifully bad. But but then there are other shots where it's like I can't tell if that's a miniature or VFX. I mean, it's you know we're streaming it. It's it's on a streaming service. Who mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. what what these things have been filtered through at this stage everything's a bit grungy but it feels like they've put a grain over it like there's a static grain on everything um but yeah anyway the point is i think i found some of phil tippett's uh digital effects more charming in tremors 2 than i would have done when i watched it the first time and and would have been rightfully horrified at the drop in quality between number one and number two in order to love star trek you do have to like shit effects because that is something that's remained consistent throughout the whole thing and obviously because shay and i shay loves 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 star trek she's a bigger star trek head than i am and uh yeah i think we have a similar attitude to those kinds of effects we watched a movie called habitat for vhs quest recently which uh features a couple of david lynch alumni and one of the most impenetrable plots i think i've seen in a while in 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 these kinds of movies (laughs) um but uh i think a scientist gets turned into a green cloud of what appears to be cgi fart gas that floats around and either annoys people or gives them advice it's weird but that was an utter utter delight seeing these you know really really terrible effects that probably took many many weeks to render back then um yeah (laughs) Yeah, god yeah it's 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 part of the joy of it so yeah like you i didn't mind uh old phil tippett so let's talk a little bit about the extras because there is an interview with phil tippett on here and it does feel a tiny bit like he did the job for the cash because he doesn't seem to remember any element of what he did phil does smoke quite a lot oh that explains both his memory and the yellow tinge that his white mustache has in this extra but yeah he, he basically says oh yeah we had it all set up for jurassic park so uh we just uh we we just did that and yeah they do resemble the movements of uh, velociraptors quite closely Tippett was brought on to be the stop motion supervisor for jurassic park when he found out that the uh, velociraptor sequence in the kitchen was going to be done digitally or at least partially digitally um he was slightly affronted with this idea uh, and he went away and he did a go motion maybe just a stop motion version of that scene uh, himself which is on a bunch of special special editions nowadays it used to be the hong kong laser disc was the only way you could get it but now i think it's on a few blu-rays and stuff it's really worth watching the humans are played by barbie dolls phil did it in his garage it's brilliant but he was sort of won over by the ilm digital velociraptors he was like fuck yeah okay it's it's done i've just invented go motion and it's already dead this is you know this is amazing mm. um so he was something of a convert so he ended up being the movement supervisor for the vfx team so they had it's one of the reasons it works so well they had absolute cutting edge top of the range digital animators digital effects with this amazing practical stop motion animator who really understood the movement and the frame by frame like interpolation that would give you those like acceleration curves and and like the real feeling of gravity that is so missing in a lot of procedurally generated vfx now 
well where the movement is done by an algorithm it's a maths that someone's figured out which is always going to be slightly incorrect because of the subtle permutations that we can't fathom and people put too much faith in it and then stuff ends up feeling too light or too heavy it doesn't move right whereas the stuff like the stuff in jurassic park and to an extent the stuff in tremors too it has that body weight to it so even though he's he doesn't have as much uh kit and budget tremors 2 as he would have had in jurassic park what he does still have is his mind for movement and gravity and acceleration yeah. and all these things and so even though there are some pretty janky light tr- like ray tracing moments in it where they do not feel part of the scene mm-hmm. their movement still feels very authentic and it's interesting that that is enough to kind of carry it through apparently there's a sequence in this where uh bert is in his truck and he gets attacked by uh some of these new graboid little dudes and it kind of cuts away and then the next time we see him he's uh, all fucked up and his his truck's covered in goo and he's describing what happened to him rather than us actually seeing it but apparently they did shoot that whole sequence um but they couldn't make the creatures look right with the the light tracing in the dark uh, in a night scene so they just cut the whole thing out oh. yeah yeah which actually you know you can feel it is much harder you yeah you can feel the absence of that in the film you know i'm i'm going to be honest here right I chose this one because I love the original so, so much. I really enjoyed recording our podcast episode on Tremors. Um, But I had actually never seen the sequel before now because it didn't have Kevin Bacon in it. And I'd heard it wasn't as good. And it turns out that I mostly made the correct decision at the time, that is. Because uh, I think if I'd have watched it immediately off the back of Tremors, I would have absolutely hated this. But as it stands, Tremors 2 fans listening to this episode, I did actually have fun with it. Like, it does have the production value of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, but it, <laughs> uh, but there's still some charm to it. There's still some charisma. And uh, yeah, I, I like the way they kind of escalated the stakes. You know, it, it took a bit of a risk for a sequel like this that you can argue about how much it paid off. Uh, and it does have that place in, in cinema history, as we said, you know, the Oscar winning Phil Tippett, his CGI guys running around. Uh, it does make it a curiosity in a way that perhaps the early CGI movies that you've been watching, Dan, maybe they don't necessarily have. This does have a place in uh, in cinema history. Yeah. How did you feel revisiting it for the episode? I know you weren't keen to do it in the first place. Yeah, I, to be honest, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It kind of it whipped by the yeah. pace. It doesn't like it kind of ends on the second act. <laughs> it doesn't really feel finished, yeah. but that kind of meant it left me wanting more rather than feeling like it dragged, yeah. which was good. Uh, Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. came back. Uh, they did the uh, creature effects, practical creature yeah. effects on the first one, and they did them again on this. And they're absolutely fantastic. Some of the uh, practical versions of the new creatures are, are beautiful, digitally removed puppeteers, uh, allowing for some really amazing above ground mm. stuff. Some pretty ropey direction here and there. Um, S.S. Wilson, who directed it, um, wrote this and had written the previous one. I, I think there's just not enough coverage. There's just some stuff, some shots that just don't cut together very well. Yeah. Uh, there's... And, I, and like you said, there was a huge budget cut. Yeah. The schedule was probably incredibly yeah. rushed. Practical effects and creature effects are not fast things to shoot yeah 
Ab- so, absolutely. Yeah, he would have had his, uh, his work cut out for him. Yeah, there's a really, really early example of this um, where my kind of heart sunk a little bit, where um, uh, the guy who's um, running across the oil drums... Um, oh, yeah, when he looks yeah. to his right and then it just cuts to him in the mouth of the creature. Yeah, and, and the way the creature comes yeah. out, you, you think that it's surprising him or going to attack him. Yeah, yeah, but, that he's looking at but, it, yeah. but then he's in its mouth. Yeah, and, uh, you know... Yeah, appalling. I, but it's fun, it's silly. It does also really miss Kevin Bacon, like, the chemistry and charisma that uh, Bacon and Fred Ward had in the original just isn't replicated here at all. Fred Ward's doing his best, but, no. um, but yeah, that magic isn't and there. And Ward goes after this one, doesn't he? From three on, it's... Um, yeah. It's the gun nut only, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's the only um, consistent character across the whole franchise. Um, which and, yeah. and there are which, signs. Yeah. Good luck to him. There are signs that they knew that even making this because Fred Ward gets um, the pre-credit credit. Um, he's the only actor to appear before the title comes up. But then Michael Gross is the only actor who gets his character name in the credits. And I know credit contract stuff, it's all, you know, complicated, but it really does feel like they're highlighting him as a character and kind of underlining him. So uh, maybe they did plan to feature him in the next sequel already at this stage. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's got a great commentary with lots of facts like this by uh, Jonathan Melville, who's the author of Seeking Perfection, the unofficial guide to Tremors. He was all over the original Tremors disc. And I could see why Arrow would want to do Tremors too. You know, it was, I'm sure, a big hit for them in terms of sales, but that disc really felt the original tremors really really felt like a labor of love it was such an incredible release one of my favorites they've ever done and so there is a feeling of like going back to an x with this release i don't know like trying to recreate the old magic with a very different situation but uh i don't know what else to say about this one really like i I don't want to give it a kicking because i did (laughs) i did have fun with it but it is also a bit shit. But, like, you know, we like films that are a bit shit quite often. We, That's we do. I mean, I watch four of them a week for VHS Quest, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, it did feel like I was doing a VHS <laughs> Quest for Arrow episode this time. But, um, but yeah, all right. You know what? I think this is this is something not to bite the hand that feeds me, but I don't think this film benefited from the upscale. Yes. I think it, like... Yeah. I, I think it looks like a TV movie more than it ever has yeah i'd agree with that um, yes and watching it with hdr like crank the crank the quality down this is a laser disc movie if ever i saw yes. one this is a film you should be watching on laser yeah or, or like a you know vhs it does add a layer of, yeah. of charm to this kind of thing it's the difficulty of doing this stuff for a market right because if you tell a main audience hey we've done this uh, straight-to-video sequel to a movie you love. It's got great special effects and the worst synth mariachi soundtrack oh I've ever heard God, in your whole Jesus. life. Um, and don't worry, they will put it all over the credits <laughs> after about two minutes. It's horrible. But because it's better, we're going to be releasing it in standard definition. We're going to do the first DVD release we've done for years. And, and it won't be full DVD quality either. It'll be like worse than that. It'll look like an old uh, VHS port. Yeah. But like a brand-new VHS, like a brand-new out-the-box rental vhs no one will buy it everyone will be cross so you can't you know and everyone wants 4k now not everyone you know us us nerds yeah so 
but this takes us back to the fact that like I think they should put the old VHS version on as a special feature. Yeah. How much space is it going to take up to put a standard definition MP4 on these discs? Give me VHSK on every single release you put out in the future, Arrow. We want the uh, yeah. 4 by 4 the shittest copy you can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The... Pan and scan. Well, I'm... let's not go what, that when far. We watch... far. You know, 4-4, four, four, yes. When we watch Flatliners, I want all of the credits to be animorphed up into 1-1. Four... Into one, one. All right, well, you know. <laughs> so that Kiefer Sutherland's all tall. Uh, we'll, we'll brainstorm this arrow and we'll get back to you with an official pitch. Um, you know, some <laughs> of these elements will be included, some of them won't. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I do wish that um, I'd have watched this on VHS again instead of this. And if you are uh, a Tremors 2 nut listening to this and um, you're you're stomping your foot so loudly that a graboid is heading towards you as we speak, we're sorry. We've got to be honest because, you know, that that's uh, that's what we're here to do. And uh, I made a mistake by uh, by suggesting that we do Tremors 2. So uh, next are time, you, Dan. You know, what? I don't think I don't think you did. I think you're being too hard on yourself. I think. It was. I'm. I'm glad I rewatched it. I genuinely enjoyed some of the effects. Mm. I had a good time with it. Oh, good. Would I change some things? Yes. Yes. Obviously. Especially the music. You're so film. right. Like, yeah. The the, the music's f- oh, it's terrible. awful. It's offensive. Yes. Yeah. And Ward isn't without his charm. Like, I like. Yeah, Fred me Ward. too. It's yeah. It doesn't have the chemistry of the original. I, do you? Did they say? I didn't hear the commentary. Did they say why it lost the budget? Was Kevin Bacon attached to it for a while? Yes. His fee was That's very high. And um, well, his departure would have dropped the budget way more than just his fee. Yes, like that's always the thing. Like if you can add an actor for for eight mil, yeah. you can add fifteen mil to your budget. I, so like, yes, of course, know. that bloody idiot, that absolute fool, Kevin Bacon, decided to go and do Apollo thirteen instead of Tremors two. I love Apollo thirteen. Well, that, is that is that it? That's it. Apollo thirteen is why we don't have yeah the the tremors too we deserved because yeah. the franchise could have taken such a different path they should have held off until he was done yeah they really they should, should have, have waited yeah yeah no. i mean maybe they couldn't maybe the option would have run out or maybe that was just his excuse um because he didn't like the script who knows tremors too that's all we've got to say about you uh but we are going to recommend some films that you might prefer uh dan why don't you go first yeah i'm going to recommend uh john gulliger's uh 2005 uh, Project Greenlight season three featured film Feast uh, from 2005, which feels like separated by a few years, a few decades, sort of spiritual successor to Tremors. It could be one scene from Tremors expanded out into a feature almost. Um, it's got a slightly more grungy overtone. It's not as brightly sun-kissed. It's night set. The people are a bit more at odds with one another. It's a bit more aggressive, but it's got lots of rubbery monsters in it. A lot of people are having a lot of fun smashing up props and breaking furniture and it's got some great creature design in it for those of you who aren't familiar project Greenlight, uh which i believe came back last year but i haven't actually seen it um was a uh, a short-lived i think it only ran for four seasons tv series in which they would uh follow a sort of almost like a competition winning script being made and they'd film like a, a series length special edition making of and then there'd be a break and the movie would get released and then they'd do like episodes at the end as well and uh, and it was it was great fun because it really shows the sort of the desperation and the madness and the backstabbing and the camaraderie and all of those things uh, that go into making films, particularly on the indie side or like semi indie. Because American indie is never like indie like British indie is. Like British indie is stuff like uh, Bait and Colin 
uh, American indie has still has pretty sizable budgets. But yeah, it's a it's a great fun creature feature. And if you watch it and then watch the um, the third season of um, Project Greenlight, it's great. It's hey, great fun. excellent. Yeah, I haven't actually watched any of that. So um, yeah, that's that's a great recommendation. Oh, you'll love it. And and it actually kind of ties in a way to my first recommendation, which is technically a TV show pilot. But it is feature length. It has been released on uh, VHS and probably DVD. Uh, it's from the Outer Limits 90s reboot. And it's called Sand Kings. Um, now it stars three generations of bridges in a film about alien bugs who move around in the dirt, grabbing people foolish enough to step into their zone. But it also stars Helen Shaver from Tremors 2. And she has more to do in Sand Kings than she does in Tremors 2. That's another thing that I didn't really like about it. Like, it's a very, very small cast, like under 10 people. Uh, and yeah. yet it still feels like the, the characters don't, you know, all have a, their moment, um, so to speak. She really doesn't have too much to do. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to bash Tremors 2 anymore. That's done now. Uh, Sand Kings is... Uh, just a really really fun mad scientist movie Bo Bridges plays a guy who smuggles some uh, alien sand out of his institute when his project gets shut down and yeah things kind of escalate from there Sand Kings it's fun I recommend it Dan what's next from you I love Sand Kings we we watched that together again didn't we We I think we did yeah yeah yeah, it's really fun. Like uh, uh, that whole series was really worth revisiting. Definitely. Yeah. Um, next for me from 1994, it's Stephen Norrington's Death Machine. Hey. It's more practical effects, uh, like stalking people. Again, it's a bit darker, a bit bloodier, uh, certainly than Tremors Two. But uh, like Tremors Two, doesn't have quite the charm of Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a killer robot going absolutely ape shit. Uh, and it stars Brad Dourif. I do not know what else you could possibly want. Oh, seriously, yeah, that's a fantastic recommendation. And uh, yeah, you're leaning on the the practical effects, but I'm going to recommend something based on. Oh, it also has some ropey digital effects. <laughs> well, the the digital effects in my Sorry. recommendation are slightly better uh, uh, because apparently Starship Troopers features unused designs from tremors 2 and we get a glimpse of them in the phil Tippett interview on this disc and i will take literally any opportunity to recommend starship troopers it's such an arrow title i'm really shocked they haven't put it out yet it would be a perfect perfect arrow to, release yeah, to it's got to be inevitable that's got to happen sometime um it's up there with robocop in terms of the level of dark satire intense violence and entertainment value and even though it's only very tangentially connected to Tremors 2, it's uh, better on every single level. And I absolutely recommend it. If you're uh, one of these uh, people who who hasn't explored 90s cinema too much, as we are in the year 2024, so there probably are some of you listening to this um, who, who haven't seen Starship Troopers, put it up onto your watch list and get on it as soon as possible. It is a masterpiece and the effects have aged infinitely better than uh, than old Tremors 2. I think they took the lessons they learned on that and uh, brought in Starship Troopers because, yeah, so many of those uh, digital beasts feel uh, very real. 
um, yeah, Starship Troopers. We're going to move on to films that we watched over the past couple of weeks. Dan, please go first because I've only got one this week. Oh, well, I have one and a question mark. I mean, the, I have two, but one of them is is more here because I want to talk about it with you than because I want to recommend it. So if you haven't seen it, we'll hold it for another episode. But uh, I was chatting to a, a friend, a painter friend the other day, uh, and I recommended a movie to them. And then uh, just by chance, I noticed it has turned up on the Arrow oh, player. Cool. So uh, I took that as an opportunity to rewatch uh, Dietrich Brueggemann's, uh, Brueggemann's, Brueggemann's uh, Stations of the Cross. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, magnificent. Which is an absolute laugh, right? If you, if you felt like the comedy of Tremors was missing from Tremors 2, then do yourself a favour and pop on Stations of the Cross. It's absolutely delightful. Um, obviously, I'm being incredibly sarcastic. It is one of the most depressing and upsetting films you could possibly wish upon yourself. I love it for that very reason. It's about a very pious, young, uh, devout Catholic extremist finding her way in the world. But really, more than anything, she wants to be a saint. Um, and she is following the Stations of the Cross um, uh, as a sort of self-deifying exercise. And it is amazing and sad and tragic and sad. And I recommend it very highly. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, I'm not sure what year we did this, Dan, but um, Stations of the Cross was actually part of our fake can uh, one year. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. this. And we actually watched this yeah. with your dad. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> that was... Yeah, and it's, I love watching weird films with my dad. It's one of the most depressing and brutal films I've ever seen. Like it's it's up there with uh, Lars von Trier um, in terms of the cruelty on show, the cruelty to the character that is. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible movie, and uh, I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, yeah, watching it in your living room with you and your dad. He enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He loves all that um i found his i think i found his limits we watched some of the early zalowski stuff together and he was like it was very good i think i prefer more plot (laughs) (laughs) amazing perfect well um speaking of plot a seamless i set myself a challenge in 2023 to watch 500 movies i talked about it on the last episode um i actually set the challenge in 2010 but I only just managed it. Uh, And my 500th film was an absolute classic that I finally ticked off the list. That movie was Rashomon. And uh, it's one of those films that if you study cinema, you feel like you've already seen it because everyone bangs on about it so much. Um, It's obviously part of the culture to the extent people talk about the Rashomon effect to describe different perspectives on events and memories. Yeah. Um, But it turns out the movie's much more interesting than that. For example, no one told me it was a horror movie. It's absolutely a horror movie. There's a supernatural element to it. Um, But I don't ever see it uh, in any greatest horror films of all time lists. Um, But it absolutely is to me. And also the Rashomon effect is a misnomer this isn't a film about people remembering an event in different ways this is about people deliberately lying to themselves and others about an event and that is a pretty big difference so perhaps ironically i have a different perspective on rashomon um to most people's memory of the film or associations with the film 
Um, but yeah, I, I really, really loved it. Of course I did. It's a masterpiece. It's an all-timer classic. And yeah, the film it most reminded me of was Harakiri, which is God tier for me. So yeah, Rashomon, in case you needed Amazing. someone to tell you to watch it. That's me. I recommend it. Dan, how do you feel about Rashomon? I love it. I was talking to it. Uh, talking to my father about it well my and my mother and my sister over our slightly delayed Christmas oh, no way. Uh, lunch oh no way what were you uh, um, what was the conversation and well specifically about it having given its name to this yeah. uh, this idea of the multiple unreliable narrators yeah. all recounting different perspectives on the same story whether through subjective interpretation or uh, deliberate misrepresentation yeah like the idea that such a, a narrative could have had a first time such a narrative yeah it's fascinating yeah absolutely yeah and delivered perfectly absolutely perfectly um so good everything like i love so much of that early kurosawa is just a delight it really is yeah yeah um but yeah everything like even the composition um like characters that appear behind branches when you first see them and yeah oh it's just yeah. perfect perfect movie um, all right. Well, you said you had a talking point um, potentially for for your next recommendation. Um, have you seen Saltburn yet, Sam? Oh man. Oh boy. I haven't, but I can actually have opinions on it if you want because uh, there's a reason I'm, I haven't I'm watched it. Huh? I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you uh, your opinions. Well, without having watched it, we can save this until you've seen it. I do think you should watch it. Oh. Okay. Oh, well, so hang on. You are actually recommending that I watch it. You think I'll think it's good. Yeah, I'm 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 so here's the thing. It's an incredibly well-directed film. Okay. The performances are fantastic. Uh -huh. The production design is spectacular. It very rarely makes any missteps in the actual body of the film. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things in the third act that don't quite work. There's one moment of flourish over real which doesn't which un which undercuts it a little bit in my opinion but it's a sm it's a very small thing and i'm you know looking to pick holes um and there's a little bit of debate between myself and a couple of other people about quite what happens in one scene okay. quite what is happening in one scene mm -hmm. but uh beyond that i think it's it's certainly really interesting and and it's definitely worth having seen now i think it has some in, it raises some innate and problematic questions about what it's trying to do. I don't right. think it's as bitingly satirical as it thinks it is. And I think if you faced, if you approached it as not a satire, you'd probably enjoy it more, especially mm -hmm. if it wasn't if you didn't know anything about the director. Mm -hmm. There's some class stuff that is a little difficult. Yeah, that's why uh, I've kind of the, avoided the background it. Background of the director, which I'm assuming is the stuff you've yeah, yeah. You've, you've heard about, and yeah. and that's fair. What I would say is that. It is an exceptionally well-observed lambasting of a very particular class right? in a way that it sort of deliberately self-cuts its own legs off a little bit with that as well. Like it makes fun of the things it's it's building from. That's in really interesting. That's quite nice. Because I, I felt um, that there was some of that in Promising Young Woman as well, where um, especially like... In the third act and the way it ended, it felt like I haven't seen promising. Yeah, movie. well, I, I'm I'm not going to spoil anything. You should you should you know, for completion's sake, maybe give it a watch. But yeah, it was kind of 
ideologically pretty weird and pretty kind of yeah jen 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 wasn't keen on it she enjoyed Saltburn. didn't like promising young woman i oh, she saw it at a festival it's the reason i haven't gone back to it right. and watched it is because it's you know i've heard mixed things and she wasn't keen so you know yeah whatever yeah it was a little um, bit but i might go back now that i've seen Saltburn. yeah I'd, I'd be interesting to hear your take because for me it was very kind of uh establishment reaffirming um promising young woman Mm. And um, I wonder if there's some of that in Saltburn. Well, that's some, and that's some of the stuff that, yeah, some of the stuff to talk about in Saltburn. The but the other thing, the thing I want to talk about after you've seen it is that I have a feeling that mainstream, or at least this kind of weird hinterland between mainstream and art house, which I mm. think Saltburn kind of exists in, yeah. micro mainstream, yeah, um, has Ooh, started yeah, nice. to develop what i'm going to refer to as the a24 algorithm right where they know that the audience for that kind of film wants it to have a couple of what the fuck right. moments in it that sit on this razor's edge of like the not quite so much that they're unacceptable to your average cinema going audience like these people want to be a little bit shocked they want to be a little bit horrified a little bit offended but not too much has to be you have to play safe and it very much feels like it's it's done that excellently um there's two two moments where i can completely see um people reading it and going oh my god what the fuck right when <laughs> they're reading this script for the first time oh are they really that's i must have oh wow and then again like showing it to producers and then being like oh we are awful <laughs> with this kind of stuff but it never goes it never goes like Mike level crazy right interesting well look- although both both things that I'm referring to in the script, once you've seen it, you'll 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 know exactly what I mean. Yeah. Could very easily exist in a Mike film. Wow. Okay. I, I I will definitely watch it. You're the second person this week to ask me if I've seen it and to uh talk positively about it. So there's definitely something in the yeah. air about this movie. And it is on Prime in the States. So yeah. um I will Yeah, it's Prime here as well. I'll watch it ahead of our, our next record. Um, which is going to be, Dan... I literally don't know. No, neither, I don't. Neither do I. I've completely forgotten. So um, uh, I, I think it could be Child's Play. You were excited yes. to do Child's Play. You really wanted to do I'm very, Play. I'm very excited about Child's yeah. Play. You know, I, I really am. I'm very excited to do Child's so, Play. So, yeah, do pick up that box oh. set. I think we're going to do Child's Play 2, right? Because... Um, no. Child's Play 1 isn't 4K. Really? I don't care. I've got to do Charles Play One. <laughs> All right, I tell you what. If, you... If, if, uh, if 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 Tremors Two has taught us anything, it's that we can't just be 4K fuckers. We've got to go for the film, not the not the res. Well, <laughs> oh wow, that's uh, that's our new catchphrase um, for for the year. Um, but uh, I will watch Charles Play Two just so I can get some 4K uh, info in there because uh, you know people do love the 4K. I love the 4K. So you watch Charles Play. I watch One and Three. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and that will be on the next episode. Uh, but before then, let's give you our social media information. Dan, how can people Actually, reach you know, out I'm gonna to you? I'm going to watch one and four. I'm going to watch one and four, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at 13 Effects uh, on uh, Instagram and uh, Blue Sky. Uh, come and talk to me about my opinions on Star Trek. Don't do that. Oh. Um, <laughs> or... <laughs> Um, you know what? I'll tell you what. Come and tell me 
your favourite hard sci-fi episodes of Star Trek from oh. any of the series that you feel I can watch out of order and I will watch them. You can get me on Goodreads, just search for my name, Sam Ashurst, uh, or you can get me on Instagram, which is Instagram... Uh, uh, no, it's not, <laughs> which is Sam Ashurst 23, <laughs> the number two, the number three. And uh, you can also get me on Letterboxd. Why not? I'm Sam Ashurst on there as well. Um, all one word. All right, that is Maybe it. I should start taking Letterboxd more seriously. Yeah, well, <sighs> it's, you know, I don't, I, I just use it for private lists, basically. I, I, I went through yeah. a stage of reviewing yeah. stuff last I, I year. I just, but, you know. Yeah, I've done a handful of reviews. Every now and then someone likes one of my reviews and I go, oh, a little bit of dopamine there. That's now I've forgotten about it again. <laughs> yeah, but it, while we're kind of wading through the mire of social media, like, Places like Goodreads and uh, and Letterboxd and to a certain extent Instagram are the only ones left that aren't um, kind of actively harmful. So uh, blue yeah. sky, blue sky is nice. Blue sky, yes, blue sky, blue sky. Um, blue, blue sky has a sort of 20, 2009, 2011 uh, Twitter vibe. Oh, that's good. All right, well, yeah, go and follow him on, yeah. on blue sky. And you, and... and you can't share videos and you can't DM anyone. Oh, interesting. That's so pretty pure. Yeah, that is pure. Yeah. All right, I it's, like that. It's, it's text and pictures only and no DMs. Oh, fantastic. All right, well, yeah, go check out Blue Sky and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Child's Play, you know, one, two, three, four, whatever we end up doing. And thank you so much for It'll listening. Be up to four. <laughs> and we promise to we be promise more, professional to more professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Bye.